Those in who are baptized will be saved. Those who believeth not will be condemned. And you just can't find it anywhere because it's a public declaration. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. So if you want to get baptized, just let us know. And it's not just for those who are coming to faith in Christ. It's, come, it's those who have been avoiding this. And I truly believe that when you stop avoiding this huge step of obedience, God will bless you in many different ways. Because it's a step of obedience. When we know that we need to be doing something, we don't do it. That's called disobedience. Thank you for joining us here at Westside Christian Fellowship, located in Leona Valley, California, one hour north of Los Angeles. Today's message on regaining lost ground is titled, Half Right, Almost Saved, and is the sixth message in the sermon series called, Theology on Fire. Late evangelical author and teacher A.W. Pink once spoke on the carnality of today's Christians, saying, The nature of Christ's salvation is woefully misrepresented by the present-day evangelist. He announces a Savior from hell rather than a Savior from sin. And that is why so many are fatally deceived. For there are multitudes who wish to escape the lake of fire who have no desire to be delivered from their carnality and worldliness. Please join us today as Pastor Shane continues in this very important message on the need for all to turn from sin, repent, and live for Jesus. You can hear the whole message at Pastor Shane's YouTube and Rumble channels. Make sure to subscribe today. For more information, visit us online at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We also encourage you to hear more truth from Pastor Shane with the Idleman Unplugged weekly podcast. And now, from Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California, here's Pastor Shane Eidelman. I hear this all the time on, on, on baptisms. You ready to get baptized? Oh, not yet. Not, what, do you, what do you mean, not yet? Oh, I've got to get my, I've got to make some changes. I've got to get my life, you know, back on track. And, or, are you ready to come to God? Not yet. I would, and people, when we invite them to church, they say, I'm not, there's no way I'm coming to church. God will strike me dead in that place. I've got to, clean myself up first. I've got to get myself right before I go to church. Before I go to church. So sanctification, 1 Corinthians 6.11, and such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So I want to encourage you with this word. Be encouraged because God cleans us up through the work of His Spirit. Anybody not feeling quite clean or worthy? I mean, Lord, I could do better. I could, I could pray more. I could lead a better life. And, and that it's okay to have that desire. But sanctification is when you, when you, um, submit your life to the work of the Holy Spirit. You submit your life to the work of the Holy Spirit. See, so you don't clean yourself up. You submit to the work of God cleaning you up. It's almost like I can tell my five-year-old, listen, you're coming with me, kicking or screaming or willingly, right? What, what are you doing? You can kick and scream, you're still coming, or you can willingly surrender yourself and allow, how much easier is it to carry a five-year-old who wants to go in that direction, right? Okay, you want to go, I'm going to take you here, I'm going to take you to the safe spot, I'm going to take you into the house, I'm going to take you, I'm going to watch you, I'm, I'm going to care for you. 
And you have verses kicking and screaming, running the other direction, and that's the difference. That's what many people think. I've got to change myself. You can't change yourself. You submit, you surrender to the work of God in your heart and allow Him to change you. Jesus always endeavored to give people final opportunity to hear the truth. Religious leaders, Roman soldiers, citizens, He gave them the opportunity to hear the truth. Even Pilate, as I was reading over this story uh, a couple of times this week, this was so interesting. Can you imagine being Pontius Pilate? You're the person going to sentence Jesus to death. You don't see anything wrong in him. Your wife, your wife warns you, says don't have anything to do with this just man. You've questioned this person who isn't asking and begging for his life. Instead, he's questioning you. And what, what do you do with this? And he wanted to, and sometimes it's funny, I, I feel for Pilate. I know that might not make sense, but sometimes I read it and I don't like him necessarily, but I feel for him. Like, hey, it's almost like he's saying, hey, let this guy go. I don't find any fault in him. Let him go. How about I just, I just let him go? And they said, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Give us a thief and a robber. Give us a thief and a robber back. We don't want Christ. And Pilate's, what, what, what has he done? What evil has he done? And they, they stood up and they, in, in a loud voice, they said, he made himself out to be the son of God. And I can imagine Pilate's probably, what did Jesus say? Hold, hold on, rewind. He made himself out to be the son of God. And then Pilate brings him back in. Tell me who you are. What, what is this? And like a lamb that was led to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. And Pilate was questioning him, questioning him, said, answer me. Answer me. Who are you? Don't you know? Don't you know I have the power? I have the power over you to release you or to condemn you? And Jesus said, you have no power over me at all unless it was given to you from my father above. You're telling your executioner that? That's boldness. We've got to get rid of this vision or this view of Christianity of some meek, pathetic, uh, uh, just weak religion that has no backbone and just as a crutch they need to lean, lay in on Christ. This is a, this is a, a strong, this is a strong savior. This is, this is, this is meek, this is meekness, not weakness. Weakness is the absence of strength. Meekness is strength under control. So he was set there and he questioned Pilate. And it may have been the last opportunity for Pilate. That's what I think about often. Can you imagine the person who was able, obviously we know it was God's ordained plan, God's sovereign plan, but Pilate rejecting the Savior, and then spending eternity in hell. He had an opportunity. He had a final opportunity. And that's the question I wanted to throw out this morning. Could it be the, the final opportunity for some of you? Could it be the final opportunity for some of you? And I don't use, and it's funny when we talk, uh, I guess not funny, but it's true. When we talk or when pastors talk about things like this, people say, oh, that's what they always say. But isn't that true? Most, a lot of you I won't see again. 
many of you? Is, 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 could this be the final opportunity for you? You see, gr- God, is, God is gracious. God is so gracious. And look at it. He, this is a, we sang this song. It's about a God who pursues you. We have this image of God just sitting up in heaven, crossing arms and saying, no, no, you're going to have to really please me. But it's actually a pursuing God, a pursuing God. You have the DNA, the, the image, you're made in the image of God, even though that image has been fought you in the fall of humanity, it's been damaged. So God, in, in, in creating us, there's the image. In the conviction, the Holy Spirit convicts us. We hear sermons. We hear the creation uh, story. We hear, we see creation. We see new birth in a child we see it's everywhere God's pursuing he's pursuing he's gracious but see his justice cannot sleep forever it was actually I think it was um, Thomas Jefferson who said that at the beginning of our nation uh, declaration of independence and different things he said indeed I tremble for my country when I see that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever It's the same thing with us. It's such a dichotomy because we're called to embrace the gospel quickly. We're we're called to. There's there's always urgency. You listen to Jesus preach. Listen to Jesus preach. Was there not urgency? He would come into the entire city and he would say, Oh, Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. Weeping. Jesus weeping. Yeah, Jesus cried. He's crying for Jerusalem saying, oh, daughter of Zion, why don't you turn to your Messiah? I am here. I am here. Look at the miracles that attest to me. Look at the bodies being raised from the dead. Look at the blind eyes. Look at the deaf ears. Look at all these things. The demonic realm has to flee. They actually have to ask me for permission on where they should go. Pigs or the abyss. And he's crying over Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Why don't you turn to me? But you were not willing. You don't think Paul preached with urgency? King Agrippa, governors, whoever they put Paul in, it was always the gospel, always the urgency of the gospel. Because when the gospel becomes secondary and complacency sets in, we'll rarely talk about it. It becomes something instead of something that is so important, it becomes something that's put on the back burner. And well, I'll get to it when I get around to it. And that doesn't work. We have to seriously think, where are we at this morning? Are you part of the mocking crowd? Are you part of the mocking crowd? You know who the mocking crowd was? Those those who said, come down. If you're the son of God, come down off that cross. Can you imagine they're standing? You don't know how high it is, but they're saying, oh, so you're the son of God. Well, come down off that cross. Come down off that cross if you're the son of God. And if I was there, I would go and I would shut that mouth. No, he, he has to stay on that cross because that's the only plan for redemption. There's no plan B. There's no plan C. There's no backup plan. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. The nails didn't keep him on the cross. The nails didn't keep him on the cross. Why did they nail his love kept him on the cross? But the mocking crowd, show off, prove off, prove yourself. Show off. If you're really the son of God, you come down off that cross. Guess who's not mocking anymore? 
So you can never go by your current situation, your current circumstances. You always have to look, look ahead and see the end of the road, not the beginning. Because there will be mocking voices. If you ever want to get mocked, just do what I do. You you would not believe the mocking. I have to be careful because I don't want to respond, right? An email. You believe we came from monkeys? Who's mon- who should be mocking who? You know what I mean? Come on. All this just happened, right? Oh, a couple cells and premortal ooze billions of years ago decided to get together and design themselves and create themselves. And you know, who, who should be mocking who? Come on. Creation screams creator. It's just there's the heartbeat of God in everything. Can't you see it? Can't you feel it? If yes, then why do we continue to reject him? Many people. And I just want to leave with this question. If you're not part of the mocking crowd, which I know most of you aren't, some hearing this later might be, but for the most part I know that's not the case. But I often thought, how many of us are part of the coward crowd? We don't come out and just deny him, but we definitely don't talk about him. Remember that movie we watched here on a Wednesday night a few weeks ago? I don't remember what the statistics were, but it was something like 90% of people in that denomination, that huge denomination, have never led anyone to the Lord. I mean, I went, I, I've been thinking about that for a long time. Are, are you telling me that 9 out of 10 people live their entire life without talking much about Jesus? And if I thought about it, I'd probably say that is pretty accurate. Because we get to work, we're around our friends, we turn into closet Christianity. Right? We don't want people, we're not going to say much, we're not going to live for, live for Christ. That's so, Shane, that's so old school. Really, it's Bible. You've got to get rid of the new school. New, new, new school is not truth. Okay, it's just repackaged. It's repackaged heresy. The old past. You need to follow the old past. Go back to the old past, to the old truth. If it's true, it's not new. And if it's new, it's not true. But are we part of the coward crowd? Are we not witnessing for Jesus? And this is interesting because we, I know I can't force this. I know I can't get louder and then you'll make, it'll make a difference. This has to be a work of God in the the human heart. As a person surrenders their life, they are filled with the Spirit. Bold witness, a bold witness is a direct result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you're not part of the mocking crowd, if you're part of the coward crowd, and you really haven't been living for Jesus, we come to church as if we're doing God a favor, right? Well, it's Easter and Christmas, or different, you know, or I'll do things on, 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 because I'm a good person. But if we do that, are we, is our heart really right? So I would encourage you to fully surrender your life this morning. That's how the, the, the gospel truly impacts your life. 
That, that's the only way it truly impacts your life is to fully surrender. And the enemy comes in, he plants thoughts in your head just like he did to me in my 20s. That's for weak people. That's for those crazies. That's for fanatics. That's for those, oh Jesus, holy rollers. Right? Hyper, whatever. And he begins to plant thoughts. But no, that's biblical Christianity. A follower of Jesus Christ is filled with his spirit. Without that, we become carnal and lukewarm. We don't do anything for Christ. So I'm not beating up at all. I'm trying to encourage you. Because without that filling of the Holy Spirit, I would not be up here. I know many of you wouldn't be doing what you were doing. And that's one of the things I was getting at with the empty tomb. It's interesting. Jesus said, it's good for you that I leave. Jesus has told his disciples, it's good for you that I leave. For when I leave, the Father will send the comforter. The Father will send the Holy Spirit. So now the Holy Spirit that used to be uh, not, uh, not inside of a person, now New Testament Christianity is the Holy Spirit resides inside a person. It doesn't just, just work outside of them. That's a wonderful thing. The comforter comes alongside and into a believer, and that person then is on fire for God. What makes a person want to read the Bible, their flesh? What makes a person get up at ungodly hours of the morning and want to pray, the flesh? What makes a person want to fast? The flesh is all over that, right? What are these spiritual disciplines? Being a moral person, looking to holiness, looking to honor God. It's a, it's a result of the Holy Spirit as you surrender your life to Him. You have to surrender and say, God, I'm surrendering everything this morning. I'm surrendering my life. I want to be filled with your Spirit. And I was reminded of the verse as I'm closing here that when Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. So I think some people have a, a, to make a decision. They have to say, okay, I'm done. I'm done denying. I'm going to embrace the message of the gospel. You have to repent. You have to believe. And others might be denying him by cowardness. They're, they're, they're cowardly in their, in their approach. They don't want to talk about Jesus. Come on, I can relate all throughout my 20s. If a survey came in the mail, I'd check Christian. If you ask me, if you ask Shane, you Christian, uh, yeah, I am. Why? <laughs> why? 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 Shh, shh, don't, don't, don't talk. Don't talk about that around. My, I got friends here, right? I got an image I've got to uphold. I got to be cool in the world, and I'll get to Christ later. The Bible actually paints the reverse picture. Follow Christ all with all your heart. Pick up your cross and follow Him. It's not partial obedience, it's full surrender. We have this view of Christianity as this weak, spineless religion that has to have God on a crutch. But when you look at Christ, you see the epitome of manhood. You see the epitome of strength. Looking his accuser in the face and saying, you have no power over me. At all. He lays down his life willingly. The lion becomes the lamb. But be careful. Be careful. That lamb is not coming back as a lamb. 
Did you know that? The Bible doesn't say he's coming back as a lamb. He's coming back as a conquering king. He's coming back as a lion from the, of the tribe of Judah. He's coming back to bring judgment. He's coming back to bring a day of reckoning. Every eye will see and every knee will bow and confess that Christ is Lord. Even John saw heaven open and he said, here comes a white horse. And it's not a nice white horse. This white horse is, has blood on his leg and his name is written King of Kings and out of his mouth goes a sword that he will strike the nations and he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. It actually says he will tread the winepress and the fiercest and the wrath of Almighty God. That's Christ. That's nothing to be embarrassed about. That's something and someone to worship and to behold. So I'm going to ask something of you, if you're interested, is we're having baptisms after the second service. If you want to make that decision today, you want to follow him, get baptized. We've got clothes, we've got towels, and make that decision. Even even if you've been a believer, but you're baptized as a child, you never knew what it really meant. You've kind of been, and people ignore being baptized because they know that's when I got to get serious. Right? Okay, I believe I'm a Christian. I'm going to church, but I'm not going to go in front of people and get baptized. I'm not ready for that yet. The Bible said, believe and be baptized. Believe and be baptized. Believe and be baptized. Or if a person was, was baptized as an infant or a child, they had no clue what they were doing. We believe in believer's baptism. That a person, I actually was baptized uh, Christmas time around two, in 2000. I was, was that 18 years now, 17 years now. And for a, that first week, I, I fought it. Like, I've been a Christian. I'm not going to get, this is, you know, but I knew I never did it and meant it. And then you, as you're getting older, you're like, well, I'm not going to do it now. That's embarrassing. <laughs> so I'm stuck. And every time I'm reading the Bible, it keeps coming up. Yeah. Will even be baptized. Well, okay, let me just turn to Acts. And they believed and were baptized. <laughs> let me go back to Matthew. Let me, no, let me go to John. I'll be safe, John. I'll be safe there. Those in who are baptized will be saved. Those who believeth not will be condemned. And you just can't find it anywhere that, because it's a public declaration. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. Now take 30 minutes to unpack that verse, but the bottom line is you don't want to find out exactly what that means. We should want to show people, you know what, I'm serious about this. So if you want to get baptized, uh, we will do it. I'll even, I even have extra clothes. I'll do it after the service if we have to. Um, just let us know. And it's not just for those who are coming to faith in Christ. It's, com- it's those who have been avoiding this. And I truly believe that when you stop avoiding this huge step of obedience, God will bless you in many different ways. Because it's a step of obedience. When we know that we need to be doing something and we don't do it, that's called disobedience. But we don't call it that, do we? I said, well, that's my flaw. I just have a flaw in that area. Pray for me. It's my pet peeve. It's my one little vice. The Bible says disobedience. So I would encourage you, whether if you're a young child and you've talked to your parents, you know what it means, you want to get baptized, let us know. We're going to be next door in the prayer room. And we'd love to pray with you and and, and get you on the sign-up list for that. And also... Uh, there comes a point where you need to make a decision and say, I'm going to follow Christ wholeheartedly. I'm going to embrace the gospel. The Bible just says, repent and believe. 
Repent and believe and you will be saved. He's calling, wake up, child. It's your turn to shine. You were born for such a time as this. He's calling, wake up, child. It's your turn to shine. You were born for such a time as this. Such a time as this. You've been listening to Regaining Lost Ground with Pastor Shane Eidelman. You can find more information at westsidechristianfellowship.org. That's westsidechristianfellowship.org. And for all the latest on what God is doing with His ministry here, please be sure to follow us on most social media platforms. Westside Christian Fellowship is located 60 miles north of Los Angeles in Leona Valley, California. Thank you again for listening to today's message of Regaining Lost Ground, where we are reminded daily, times change, truth does not. Regaining Lost Ground is sponsored by the generous supporters of the ministries of Westside Christian Fellowship.